So it's really about letting go of certain negative and bad habits or loops that we that we hold. It can be negative self-image. It can be negative about the world or the environment or what have you. You can well guide it and, and also setting it in intention. So really wanting to look at specific parts of yourself. Research has shown, and it's also my experience after guiding hundreds of people, is that if you go in with a specific intention, you want to look at parts, somehow you get to see those questions that you ask yourself in a way. And also after the trip, you have a, a couple of days of induced uh, neuroplasticity where you can introduce new habits. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Future Ready Podcast, where we explore how to build future-ready organizations in a new never normal. My name is Arne Kötting, founder of Cozin and your host. Over many years, more and more organizational change experts have been advocating for modes of leadership that are almost, if not plainly, spiritual. Think of Laura Storm's concept of regenerative leadership, Peter Sen's idea of presence or Otto Schama's theory, you. What all these concepts have in common is that they call for a holistic, systemic approach to leadership and success. They define great leadership as acknowledging the interconnectedness between ourselves and others and between people and nature. They put forward deep listening, humility and intense self-reflection as the real keys to success. Meanwhile, a separate but arguable related field of research suggests a self-development tool that is as controversial as it is powerful, psychedelics. In the business world, the use of psychedelics has been gaining strong defenders in recent years, including personalities like the late Steve Jobs. These leaders highlight these substances' central role in their business vision quests, as well as in helping them leave their ego aside and become truly open to change. Now, I've personally never had one of these experiences myself, but it's something that keeps crossing my path in both my personal and professional circles. So I wanted to find out what the buzz was all about. Our guest today is someone who has not only made psychedelics key to his spiritual practices and way of life, but who has also made them central to his business. Martin van Heusten is the CEO and co-founder of Spinoza, an Amsterdam-based human growth company that provides curated psychedelic experience, be it through retreats or online guided programs. Martin is also a serial entrepreneur who has founded or co-founded eight other successful businesses throughout his career and occupied executive positions in multinational companies such as Heineken and Unilever. He is a strong believer of the benefits of psilocybin, a substance found in certain kind of mushrooms. As someone who knows about the science, business and the spiritual side of psychedelics, Martin is the perfect person to share his wisdom with us today. Martin, great to have you here and uh, welcome to the Future Ready Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Arne. It's a Thank pleasure so to, much. Be, uh, to be with you in this conversation. Before we go into Martin's relationship with and knowledge of psychedelics, it's maybe interesting to know a bit about how they got into his professional and personal life. Martin grew up, as he put it, 
like a pretty regular Dutch guy in the middle of a country near a city called Utrecht. And it was also in Utrecht that he obtained his bachelor degree in law and where he built his typical student life full of partying. Three or four years into his university path, he made a life-changing decision to go traveling the world in search of a healthier, cleaner lifestyle. So I picked up my bags and I went traveling for a year. Um, and in that year, I, I went more into, uh, into uh, first South America, where I already discovered completely different cultures than my own and, and started realizing that yeah, I'm, I'm quite conditioned and, and had a one-dimensional view at life, which is very normal because you don't know anything else than the hockey field and your university mm -hmm. and your fraternity and, and just a life that you've been brought up quite protected mm -hmm. uh, as, a, as a European youth. So uh, it went from, from South America to North America into, uh, into some islands in the Pacific and then uh, into Asia. And I, I ventured into the really rural side of life and also into the Himalayan mountains of, of Nepal and, uh, and India. And it was in these mountains that I first really got in contact with uh, a different, really different viewpoint with meditation, with, mm -hmm. with uh, yoga, but also the use of plants and fungi in a ceremonial way to really in those traditions to come close to Shiva. And this experience forever impacted Martin's outlook on life. Upon return to the Netherlands after a year of traveling, he quickly realized that he needed to make a big career change. As it turns out, his view of law were over-romanticized and the reality of working in the fields didn't really match the lifestyle he wanted to follow. I just realized that I wanted a more international career and that Dutch law would keep me stuck, mm -hmm. but also just that it was quite, yeah, academic and a lot of writing on your own in a room. And I had experienced in my travel that I was just wanting to connect more with people. So I stepped over uh, to a more marketing and, and creative work, uh, branding. So I, I joined mm -hmm. Unilever, That was in South Africa, Durban, uh, had a really amazing time. I'm really into water sports, especially surfing. So South Africa was an amazing place to, uh, to surf and just the lifestyle there with uh, a lot of nature was, was beautiful. And this was also the period that I really got into even more into transcendental meditation. And those were tools that I, I learned myself in, in a fast paced life, how to use mm -hmm. meditation, especially breath work to, uh, to unlock on the one side creativity and on the other side, just for the health purposes and focus and clarity and, and peace of mind. Because in companies like Unilever, of course, you know, there's a lot Fast of ambition place. there and a lot of drive. And as a youngster, you get uh, caught up in that. Now, the stress Martin describes is familiar to many of us. It can be easy to leave our mental well-being aside when we are so focused on reaching for success. So to Martin, meditation was a way to preserve inner peace and prevent burnout. While working at Unilever, he aimed for an overall healthier lifestyle. So he stopped drinking alcohol, started exercising more. But contrary to what you might expect, the use of cannabis and psychedelic fungi 
were very much included in Martin's vision and version of a healthier lifestyle. To him, these are essential pieces to his spiritual practice. But before psychedelics came into his professional path, he still had a lot of learning to do in terms of leadership. So Martin moved back to the Netherlands, where he was recruited to work for Heineken's marketing department. He worked there for five years and then in 2005 left to found his first company, a digital marketing agency that quickly grew to 80 plus people. After selling it successfully to an international network, Martin's own professional transformation in the spiritual scene began. So I started a little yoga school in Amsterdam with a good friend, mm -hmm. Bessel. And yeah, this, this was in the early days of yoga. You're, you're talking 2010, 2011, mm -hmm. 2012. And that yoga school grew because we knew marketing and we knew also how to build websites. And, and in that world, it was still like, you know, just beautiful yoginis that were starting their own little school yeah. and, and we could set it up a little bit more professional because we had some capital and and really build up this beautiful yoga school yeah it was beautiful to see and to really build up a community you know that uh had grew to like ten thousands of people like five uh, thousand people per week coming into the schools really working with people mm -hmm. which i really thought like wow this is what i really want to do um, so the, at one point I became less important and less important because the company just grew and I had learned from the previous uh, entrepreneurship that if you become too important, you become the bottleneck of your company with all the stress and all mm -hmm. the pressure there. So, um, you know, after building it up uh, like seven years uh, down the line, uh, I actually freed up. Uh, myself in a way and I moved with my children to Lisbon uh, mm. just outside of Lisbon to study again I had fallen in love with also western philosophy so it was previously you know the the more eastern philosophy and now I, I had learned about Goethe and, and Dante and, and especially our own philosopher uh, from, from the Netherlands philosopher Spinoza so Spinoza became an important person in my life, in the studying, and it's where, where East and West come together. He's writing more in a yeah, scientific way, but it's very deep, monistic. Uh, there is one nature, one God, one, one, one substance in his philosophy. And that, mm -hmm. that feeling of unity and connection was really where I was drawn to. Um, and, and especially also the connection with nature. You know, his mm -hmm. big quote was Spinoza's Deus Sive Natura, God is nature. And of course, as we are all experiencing at the moment, we, we are living in this, yeah, this great divide in a way, you know, mankind divided itself from nature in a way and and that's also happening between body and mind yeah and and in the yoga practices that connection between body and mind that there is no separation it's not like descartes uh he was living with spinoza in amsterdam uh, of course said uh, we are mind in a body um, okay. So at one point, you know, I had a good friend of mine from Argentina, Aito de la Rua. They, they were working on building more transformational hotels. And, mm -hmm. and we got together, the two of us, and, and we decided, okay, let, let's, let's create a company. I would move back to Amsterdam to, um, 
to because the legal situation in the Netherlands, of course, we uh, it's it's fully legal to work with magic truffles. Yeah. So we went back, started uh, programs and and educational uh, work and and teaching people how to work with these uh, plants and and organizing ceremonies. Um, so this is two years ago, yeah, when we started really focusing on it and the psychedelic renaissance, as they call it, really started emerging and growing. And, and yeah. we started collaborating with universities uh, in, in both Argentina and in the Netherlands uh, and, and really uh, doing ac academic work and research and developing all kinds of new therapeutical ways or we call it transformational ways of working with uh, psychedelics. And that mm -hmm. company is called Spinoza. And, uh, that yeah. company is, is called Spinoza. And um, I love the mission. You say you want to guide people more towards more natural and conscious um, living, if, yes. I, if I have that right. First, tell us a little bit about Spinoza or the, the listeners about what Spinoza is, is all about. So give us a sense about like how many people are joining yeah. your retreats. How does it work? Yeah. Well, we started out in uh, June 21. So it took us about a year before to really develop the program. And we started out with a, it's a 12-week program. Every season, the first day of every season, the program starts. It's mm -hmm. uh, 14 people join the program and you do five ceremonies over that period and you're personally guided by a guide mentor. So we have psychologists and more meditators, meditation teachers and yogis. And so there's a whole team that guides these 14 people. And of course, those are personal journeys that people make. And it's it's a journey of, of getting to know yourself uh, in, in a very deep, profound way and using these altered states of non-ordinary states of consciousness or it really feels like you're entering a different dimension mm -hmm. um, there's part of the brain psychedelics work like on a physiological level you know it, it works more on the serotonin system the, uh, the serotonin system is really a very sensitive system but it also allows to create new pathways in the brain so of course the visual cortex has a lot of serotonin receptors so there's also a lot of visual but just the total feeling you really open up completely and in that opening up you discover parts of yourself that you maybe not knew that were still there it could be past experience post traumas but but mm -hmm. also just you know so they're they're used for healing purposes but also for vision quests so mm -hmm. like like the Steve Jobses and the Elon Musks, they use it for also the vision quest side of it. And of course, it's been used in traditions for thousands of years, actually, uh, also from healing, healing, healing trauma. Um, and it doesn't have to we, we don't take people with like huge depression or very specific. It's really we call ourselves a human growth company. It's people that are coming there also for just their personal growth. And we curated these groups because the group element is also very important. But we also realized already that 
we were catering to a specific audience on a financial perspective as well, yeah. you know, and, and that was something that we didn't want. So we our, our mission is really to open up these and to integrate these plants and fungis more into society and to be able for everyone to access it. So parallel to, to running these ceremonies and these retreats and programs, we, we developed an online an app, an online platform where basically everything we train to people live, you can also do a course inside the app with videos. There are workshops in there as well. So you can live participate in, it's not in Zoom, but in our platform where you can go yeah. to workshops and, this, and, and then we send you the magic truffles uh, so you can do your ceremony at home but you're completely guided by the music and inside the app are the breathwork practices and the meditations mm. so now it's it's really accessible so martin you're telling us about all the wonders that this fungi can do for people's self-development and mental health a lot of what you are saying is of course backed up by the medical community as we already mentioned which is becoming more and more involved in research with psychedelics. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Of course, in the world, there's at the moment, you know, you see that the medical community is, is becoming, you know, really involved and which is amazing to see. And I'm very happy that this is going to be integrated also into the medical system. But there's also a lot of fear for psychedelics uh, yeah. that anything can go wrong and that fear has been created in the 60s and a lot of stigma that this is uh, like you know you can um, go into psychosis and bad and, trips uh, bad trips and you know you can jump off buildings and and you know it, it, that type of stuff yeah which which is just We have 400 shops in the Netherlands already for decennia. So we're talking 20, 30 years that mm -hmm. they're openly sold. We don't have accidents in the Netherlands. You know, there is no problem, not like alcohol, where every weekend we have deaths yeah. all over the place. And, and there's serious abuse and serious violence coming out of it. You don't have that with psychedelics. Uh, so we don't see ER, so at the first emergencies every weekend, people coming in, whereas thousands of people are buying and using it. So it's a very safe, if you know what you do, yeah. of course, you, you don't want to be driving. You don't want to be doing it at a rooftop party. You don't want to do it with your children near you. There are all kinds of things you shouldn't do while you're on psychedelics. But if you do it just in a safe environment and you carve out a day in your life for it and you do it with loving friends there's really it's a very safe place but so our mission is really to create educated users uh in, and, in and a Martin, way for those who haven't tried this um, psychedelic experience can you explain us a little bit You know, what happens? I mean, I guess every journey is a little bit different. Every transformation journey is a little bit different. But can you tell us a little bit from the experiential point of view? Yeah, of course, 
there's a lot of similarity, but there's also a lot of uniqueness in every journey. The real deep going into that different dimension, which, uh, which happens, the experience that people have, that they venture in and that they see all kinds of visuals and fractals and patterns and that they feel completely connected to the universe or something larger than, than themselves comes in, in that those images comes in many, many, many forms. And it's, it's very hard to explain how that feels. You know, it, it's something that you cannot explain it. It's a different dimension that you enter. And it, that sounds a little bit woo-woo, uh, mm-hmm. but everybody that comes out of it goes like, holy shit, mm-hmm. I didn't know. This is changing everything. It's a whole guided experience with music with yes. a, a big team from also what, what I read from your um, from your website that does these kind of reflections before and afterwards so that yeah. it's not really just okay we just take the the substance and then that's it no it you, seems very much embedded into a into a journey yes exactly you, you it really starts already weeks before the ceremony always almost that you physically prepare yourself your body your mind you create like a, a setting where people feel completely safe and then you know you take the teas that we make out of the truffles uh, people drink it and then you know the, the journey will will start like after 15 20 minutes and then The music will guide you into complete different worlds and every song, you know, the intensity of the song, the the lightness in a song or also the darker emotions that we bring. Martin, as we have uh, mentioned previously, a lot of renowned universities and research centers are exploring the potential of psychedelics. Could you please tell us about what this research has found in terms of how psilocybin works at the psychological level as you're saying like almost all big universities in the world have opened up a psychedelic program i'm talking medical uh, academic centers so uh, all of the medical academic centers in the netherlands but basically everywhere in uh, in most countries they are they're they're starting up or have started up in the last 10 years and what you see on a physiological level again we don't understand a lot about the brain yet in general, we don't understand a lot about the brain. What, what we do know is that the classic psychedelics, so you're talking about LSD, you're talking about DMT, which is in ayahuasca. It's a, it's a more South American, uh, American tradition and the magic mushroom and the magic mushroom and the magic truffle you find everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and it's been used already by the Greek, uh, many traditions have used these psychedelic compounds. So basically it's an external uh, natural uh, source. In the case of the magic truffle, there's a there's a substance inside, it, it's called uh, psilocybin. And mm-hmm. the psilocybin is metabolized by your gut into a substance or a compound called psilocin. And psilocin clicks perfectly into your serotonin receptor and one in particular 2a receptor and that triggers and and makes it possible in certain networks so what happens is that different regions of the brain start firing wiring new networks and new pathways are being created on the one hand so it increases 
in an academic word, neuro or induces neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. So it makes the possibility for new networks or new connections to be made. So that's why you see things you've never seen maybe before, or you get things triggered, or you get new insights in that way. That's on the one hand. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it decreases your default mode network, is what they call. And the default mode network, it's a network where uh, parts of our brain, our amygdala, some of the connections in our prefrontal cortex, it's a little bit where our executive functions operate. It's also where you more or less can say the I, the ego resides, you know, mm-hmm. where we do our self-reflection. It, it gets activated when we're not doing, for example, when we're making something, uh, a sandwich, you know, you're, you're engaged with making the sandwich. And, but if you're not doing anything, you know, we, we start ruminating about ourselves you know, often the ego goes like, am I doing it good? Am I not doing it good? Uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about ourselves and reflecting. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with it. But if you ruminate too much, you see that you become unhappy, you know, mm-hmm. in research as well. So that function for temporarity, especially on high dosage of psychedelics, you know, it really decreases the activity in the default mode network. Somehow it opens up other regions of the brain to start connecting more with each other, mm-hmm. you know, because it's less activated. So, again, we don't understand a lot yet about how these mechanisms work, but this is what you see when you put people in MRI scans and what lights up. So, the, the ego resides, and that's also the feeling you have and actually reports. The idea of ego death is indeed compelling. And for those, Not aware, the term ego death is used to describe, I quote, a temporary state of autobiographical amnesia, a psychological condition where you are fully awake and functional, but can't remember any information about yourself. This experience of watching yourself from the outside is widely considered, if you read the literature, to be one of the most profound aspects of the psychedelic experience. And for our listeners, if you're intrigued by the role ego plays in leadership settings, Ryan Holiday's book, Ego is the Enemy, is a good resource for learning about the treacherous and tangled nature of ego and the solutions of humility, self-awareness, purpose, and realism. Um, The psilocybin experience is described in helping with these concepts. Is that right, Martin? So it's really about letting go of certain negative and bad habits or loops that mm-hmm. we that we hold. It can be negative self-image. It can be negative about the world or the environment or what have you. You can well guide it and, and also setting it in intention. So really wanting to look at specific parts of yourself, research has shown, and it's also my experience after guiding hundreds of people, is that if you go in with a specific intention, you want to look at parts, somehow you get to see those uh, questions that you ask yourself in a way. And also after the trip, you have a, a couple of days of induced... Uh, neuroplasticity where you can introduce new habits which can be uh, habits like I want to deepen a relationship so a certain talk that you want to have with people 
maybe you want to do it weeks after for words because you first want to let all the insights settle but you know you can start trying to introduce new positive behavior in in a period after i'm also wondering how sustainable the impact of an experience with psilocybin is so is it just a feel-good moment or does it really transform something for you so that's also, if you look at the, for example, depression side or anxiety, often these depressions, depression is a loop in your head. You're stuck yeah. in a loop or an anxiety is maybe a perspective that you have that the world is going to end uh, within the next 10 years. And this is where what the opportunity that, that psychedelics bring. You can really create a sustained change of perspective, but... You also need to, those pathways or insights, you need to, again, work with them. You know, the real work starts after the ceremony, you know, to work with these new developed insights or and to really implement them. And that's why they talk about the integration part, which is the most important part. If you really want to make these experiences transformational. The experience itself can be amazing and beautiful, like uh, feeling mm -hmm. that you're you're in a bath of love for hours and that you are, feel completely connected. So the experience itself, but the real value is in the changing of behavior and the changing of perspective. And that you need to implement and can create real shifts, lasting shifts in life. Martin, we at Cozen work a lot with um, executives and helping them to find their unique voice um, towards external and um, internal um, audiences. And my sense is that these days there is a lot of pressure on, on leaders. So the speed of change is enormous. The complexity of decisions they have to make is enormous. The um, pressure from stakeholder groups, technology disruptions, all that. So I think that puts leader quite a lot of pressure on leaders. Um, and and I think there is. I also observe some trend and a realization that you know faster, 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 faster is not going to work um, anymore. So there's really a development of you know conscious leadership. People, you know, I have that book here with me, Presence, from Peter Senge, Otto Sharma. You know, those are the four thinkers of business management. And they are now thinking about conscious leadership. So I guess my question is, what's your view on why specifically this kind of experience is needed now to help leaders mm -hmm. kind of making sense of a you know, ever more complex world. Mm. Um, yeah, as you say, we, we get a lot of uh, leaders as well in into our programs. We've actually worked with a management team also to... Uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So I think there's a lot of opportunity um, because on the one hand, like I said before, these psychedelics are used to heal parts and to really connect on a much deeper level with others. And that is often what teams lack, mm -hmm. right? Real connection and real understanding of each other. And also where do certain thoughts or emotions come from? If you don't have that perspective, it's very hard to be empathetic with it, mm -hmm. you know? So 
and teams that really deeply understand each other are far more aligned and forgiving and they allow they give much more space to each other to develop and grow and be creative and innovative if there's still fear in a team or misunderstanding there's not a safe space so mm. to be able to create a safe space which is needed in these psychedelic journeys and you feel deeply connected it's like you cannot like i said words fall short for how connected you feel with mm -hmm. with people and the larger world. So on that side, it's really amazing to get a deeper understanding of each other. If you're open for it, as if, if a team is open for that deep, profound understanding, really the root causes of fear, to find mm -hmm. the root causes of your fear and, and why certain anger or jealousy or yeah, any other emotion arises inside a team so that's on the one hand side and on the other side it's also really about these vision quests mm -hmm. where are we going so, so you really helped a company on that vision quest yes in this as a management team Yes. Well, this was a team. This was also a team of of a of a company. We we have, of course, many executives that come, but this specific team was yeah. also a group that were going into the next phase. They were beyond their scale up phase. So uh, mm -hmm. they they were already in the tens of millions as a management team and founder group. They wanted to find out. Okay, who wants to lead now? You know, where do we want to take this? Uh, where do we feel? So it's, it's of course, good as a team every so many years to really assess again, you know, what is the different roles and responsibilities, but also, you know, for what phase do we need? What kind of leadership? So that was that was a little bit that quest that we helped them. And they were super thankful and they found what they what they came for. But Yeah, it's not for nothing that uh, Steve Jobs in his book writes that that LSD, which is a similar mm -hmm. compound as the Magic Truffles, was one of the most important experiences for his development, but also to see where we're going. The, the last thing that for us is very important in this leadership work, uh, if you want to call it, we don't label it specifically like mm -hmm. that, but... I think maybe in the future we will organize specific retreats or programs around executive leadership. We see the potential for that. And that's also a, a part of our mission that the change of the world needs a top down and a bottom up approach. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to call it that way. I mean, they have such an impact on so many millions of people. Exactly. It's, it's a very fast route to change. So yeah. for us, an important route to explore But, but the, the most important part that you experience is that you are not an individual, that you are fully, fully, fully connected with nature and the universe on a much more profound, deep level than your little ego mind can understand. And we all know and feel it, but we are still stuck in this and the trumps of this world Are, are really believing that storyline that this is a zero-sum game. If you mm -hmm. don't have it, mm -hmm. then I should have it and vice versa. And there can only be one 
powerful and that worldview is being picked up or misused to tell a story about wealth and happiness that golden towers uh, are creating happiness the next car and the next phone and the next and if you go into these journeys and you take these paths, you know that there's no, no, no happiness there. And, and you know, that we see a lot of examples these days, what happens when you make decisions in your ivory tower disconnected yeah. from others. I mean, you see this with politicians, you see this with company leaders. That's when problem starts, no? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that disconnect, and we, we we come full circle. I think with the beginning of this conversation, it, it yeah. that is really that is the aim and mission that we strive for is that we need to connect mind and body because people are getting really seriously sick. You know, we're stuck more to a screen. We we're, we're more connected with screens, yeah. so our mind is just plugged in in a way and and we're sitting on our couch eating processed shit um mm -hmm. that is really our bodies are we don't listen to our bodies anymore we we sit you know the new smoking is sitting we sit the whole day from chair to chair and uh, mm -hmm. watching a screen um and yeah th that is like on a deep fundamental level causing huge problems uh, with our health. That's really sad to see. I love that mission that you want to connect, you know, like people connect back to themselves because I agree with you. They wouldn't do many things they currently do if they would be back in connection with their body. Hmm. But I also like this notion of connecting to, you know, to the universe or to the wider world. And I wonder, you know, what's the, you told that about this experience of leaders, you know, feeling connected to the world and what they're doing, feeling connected to nature, etc. It seems almost that this is a kind of a, this insight is super important also for making companies more sustainable, which they need to become. It seems connected, no? So, so a leader who has that insight, like, certainly would change things about the, how the company behaves i guess yeah and, and and on on a on a on a beautiful level it are the consciousness of these plants and fungi that are helping us to see that we are yeah. fully connected and that if we go about if the divide becomes bigger and bigger They, it's gonna cause huge problem and potentially extinct this species because this species just didn't want to listen and wanted to understand that we need each other, that we are one system, one connected system. And and of course, biologists will tell you and and scientists will tell. Everybody knows on a quantum level sure. it's true. And, and so, but the only thing is. We have deep materialistic belief systems in collective mind that are withholding us from really changing uh, on a fundamental level. But the thing is, if you've had that unity experience inside a ceremony, things change because you felt it. So mm -hmm. you can tell people, but if you experience it, 
mm-hmm. and know it to be true for yourself, not because the next book of Sharman uh, uh, or Otto Sharman is is coming out. You know, mm-hmm. it's a very. Uh, I I went to a talk of him in and and it approaches it in a in a systematic cognitive. Academic. way yeah sure. so it and you can listen to it and you think oh that's that's yeah 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 but then you walk out and you do differently because we are steered by our hormones and we we need to understand in an experiential way we touched on the topic of neuroplasticity earlier as well so it's a bit of a full circle moment with this especially interesting concept of experiential learning of having a brain that adopts to experience. People in general, especially leaders, greatly benefit from having a neuroplastic brain that can and is consistently rewiring itself, modifying its connections and restructuring how it functions, which fosters, of course, the growth mindset we should all be working toward. There seems to be a deep connection between the funky-based experience and users' changed mindsets afterwards. Is that right? You can ask anybody who had that experience. There is, like I said, it ranges for a lot of people in the most profound, deep experiences of their life. You know, it ends up in the top three, top four, uh, five of, of their most, yeah, deep experience that they will have. So it's a deep pleasure for a, a lot of gratitude to be able to work with people uh, on that level. And, and I hope that more people will uh, will experiment and explore with this in the right manner. Look, I'm, I'm sure that many people are curious now and, and, and might want to know a little bit more about that. Is there any book on that topic that you would recommend for somebody to dive yeah. into that topic? Well, you know, there are many, many, many great books, but a good book to start is uh, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. Um, there's yeah. also a four series, four episode series on Netflix. Uh, it tells you about, I think the book is, is far better than the documentary uh, series. But still, if you want to start out tonight, mm-hmm. uh, just watch the, the four parts, Netflix. Uh, but uh, another uh, great uh, one is Stealing Fire by uh, Jamie Wheel. That is mm-hmm. more about consciousness altering markets even they also see it really from the perspective and as you are catering to also a business uh, audience i would say stealing fire from uh, jamie wheel and uh, kotler's is, is also a really good book it's it's also a very exciting book so um, yeah those those one i would recommend fascinating martin once again thank you so much for your thank time you. this morning and um, all the best with spinoza Hey there, thank you for listening to Future Ready. Future Ready is produced by Cozin, a global communications and change agency on a mission to shape more healthy and thriving businesses. Find out more at wearecozin.com. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review or forward this show to someone who you think will love it. Thank you very much for this and until very soon. 